Another episode of the Complete Sinner's Guide starts right now. My name is Noah Chalad. Delighted to be here with you. Joining me is your host, as always, Tyler Fowler. What's going on, buddy? What is up? How's it going, Noah? Hey, everything is awesome. We are continuing to grow the show, uh, continuing to nail down a more consistent schedule, recording schedule, um, and the Lord has great things in store for us in 2021. Talking about that a little bit before the show. We're excited to get kicked off. Again, another episode with a guest. Tyler, who do we have with us this week? We have Ty Brillhart. For those who may have heard that name very recently, he was on our last episode on the roundtable, our biggest episode yet. If you guys have not listened to that, you got to check that out at www.completecenters.com. Also, don't forget, you know what? Ever since we started the show, Noah, I haven't got one email. I haven't got one email yet. Oh, and do you feel hurt? Do you feel left I out? Do. I do. Do you kind I of feel, feel almost like somebody doesn't love you? Almost, almost, and you know what Jesus said to love your neighbor. So, and and we got to love our brothers and sisters. Now, I don't. That's joking, guys. Come on now. But seriously, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to hear us talk about something, something you've got questions about, we're starting. Noah said it just a second ago. We're expanding. We're getting ready to start doing live shows. Yep, live shows. We've got phone calls and all of these all of these things in the works right and it's god is working not only in the complete center's guide by the way we're in 32 <laughs> 32 different countries now god is working in the complete center's guide and it is amazing amazing to be a part of so head on over there email me shoot me a message just a chat no we've got a element room going on can you yes. can you give a little bit just a little summary of what's going on, and then we will get to Ty. We've got we've got an awesome show lined up for you guys. Yeah, so we have an so, interactive chat room, and people can join. Yeah. Right now, I'd say the easiest thing is still to send the email to either feedback at completecenters.com, but we also have a new email, Tyler. The okay. new email is easier for people to remember, and oh. it will separate those who have feedback from the show from those who just want to say hello. You want to okay. take a guess at what the email is? What is it? It's hello at completecenters.com. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So hello. send an email, hello at completecenters.com, and tell Tyler that he's not alone in the world, that yes. there is people that love him, that care about him, that treasure his soul, and we'll send him an email and say hello at completecenters.com. Say hi to Tyler. That would be so nice. Thank you. Thank you, Noah, for that. Ty, Ty Brillhart, buddy, how you doing, man? What, how, what's things been like one week after doing the, uh, the, the roundtable? How's things been going? It's been good. I got a couple book deals, some speaking engagements because of it. So we're, we're look at that. <laughs> look at that. I told you. No, I I can't even keep up with my own podcast. So yeah, yeah. So tell people what what where can people find you at? Um, uh, you can look on YouTube for the Five Point Podcast. I do have a website. I don't have the actual link to it off the top of my head right now. Like I said, I am the most unorganized when it comes to this, but I do try and I'm trying to get more consistent. So you guys have inspired me now that you guys are reaching uh, dozens of countries and expanding and now nah, I need to, I need to get on my podcast. Man, you do. And, and what's, what's so rewarding is knowing, knowing that God is working through it, right? It's just, it's amazing to actually read the Bible, re- read something you know, about something 2,000 years ago, right, and actually see it 
lived out today. And and to be honest, guys, I gotta I gotta say we don't we don't see that a lot. It, even in Christian, even in Christian circles. I, to be honest, I just had a conversation with a guy at work today about. <laughs> He, he told me that, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't know, you know, about God. He doesn't know if God exists. He questions his faith. He used to be a Christian, but he was hurt in a church. He was, it, he told me the story. Uh, it's bad. And that's not, that's not what Jesus taught us to do. First and foremost, let me, let me just say this. I would never let anybody's, anybody, anybody, come in between me and my wife ever that's a relationship that no man can separate right no one I, I will not allow it and I pray God will not allow it but we have a relationship with God ladies and gentlemen for for those who know God know exactly what I'm talking about we have a relationship with God and I, I the the only advice at that point I know to say is don't let anybody, I don't care if they were a pastor, they're not Jesus. I don't care if they they were in your life, even your own parents, to some stories that I've heard, don't let anyone affect your relationship with God, ever. Don't do it, because it's not it's not worth it. But, but a, a little bit... <sighs> A little bit later with that, um, Ty. Let me. How? Uh, what? What exactly? We've been talking a little bit. Can you tell our listeners what exactly we're going to be discussing tonight, and give a little summary about why why this is a subject, why the subject is important to you, and tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I know we really didn't get a chance to go into that last week on the show but if you could just take a few minutes give some background about you and what got you interested in the subject we're going to be discussing tonight sure uh first i did find my website it's fivepointministries.home.blog so nice. go check that nice. out and and i have a, a blog too that i'm very um skeptical uh, in my postings. All right. So uh-huh. <laughs> me, me. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So I am a, uh, Kitsap County, Washington native, and I live here. That's uh, mm. Puget Sound area right across the water from Seattle in a Navy town called Bremerton. I was raised in a Christian family, um, grew up going to church, going to Sunday school, all that. Uh, like many, many people, uh, I didn't get saved actually until I, uh, later in life, I went through junior high and high school and beyond not walking with the Lord. I, I wasn't saved at, at that point. Um, but even from a, from a young boy, uh, my parents would tell you that my dream job was to, to be a pastor, to go into ministry. And so I got saved and started reading my Bible, started studying. I had mentors that would, um, uh, just speak into my life and and um, encourage me, and I got that that calling again to to pursue ministry, and and it was affirmed sure. by elders and and uh, other strong Christian men in my life, and so I started pursuing that. I have four more weeks to go for my bachelor's degree, so I'm real close to 
finishing that up and then uh, I begin my MDiv studies at Western Reform Seminary in January. Nice, nice. So for those who for those who don't know, tonight we're going to be discussing uh, Catholicism and my yeah. I have I have I have family in uh, that was I have family that's currently uh, attending you know Catholic Catholic churches, Catholic masses. And so this this is a topic that's close to home uh, for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, for me too. Yeah. Really? Do you, so yeah. personal, personally. Personal, or? personal. Yeah. So I did community theater for um, you know close to fifteen years, um, mm-hmm. and there were two two families that that were involved in theater. Very very talented families, and they became sure. like um, extended family of mine. I still uh, see them. I'll be talking about one of the one of the members uh, a little bit later and and some of the stuff I have to say but they are near and dear to my heart I I see them as sisters I see the the parents of the family as as my parents in in ways so I love them love them love them to death and uh, I would you know do anything for them but they they are Roman Catholics and that's where uh, my interest kind of kind of comes in with with this subject is is from that do let me ask you this are there's kind of in well in my family there's kind of this unspoken rule right where whenever the family gets together religion is the last on the list to discuss right it, it, unfortunately really even if it's, yeah yeah unfortunately even if it's you know if it comes up at all to be honest um it, that's starting to change now that because I'm like you, Ty, I didn't get saved or God didn't save me until, you know, a little bit later in life. I was 27. I'm 30 now. So no, 20, 25, 26, somewhere around there. But every so here's an idea real quick for, for anybody that's that's looking to kind of, you know, how do I how do I open up a conversation about God? So what I do every Christmas, I read a passage from the Bible. Um we're celebrating Jesus, right? Everybody agrees, even even in the secular world, that we're celebrating Jesus's birthday on Christmas, right? Even though every other day of the year they profess he doesn't exist. But anyway, regardless of that, so yeah, with with that, it's you know, it's kind of a it's kind of an unspoken rule that just you know, religions. I don't know, I don't know. But like I said, I'm trying to change that. In my family, no, you sound you sounded kind of surprised on that. Is, it, you guys... I just I feel like to a certain extent, like it, we all agree that our primary purpose on earth and what we're called to do is mm-hmm. to serve God and spread the gospel. And so, right. it's um it's amazing to me to have such a close firsthand step where the where there are three three guys that are pretty passionate about spreading the gospel and and sharing this. And you're telling me that you have a hard time having this conversation with your own family like this is a problem that we face today it's just yeah it is it's kind of surprising and yet um and then at the same time really not so much because Mm. i've become very cognizant of myself of these are the people i can openly talk about my faith and these are the people that i'm not going to ever not talk about my faith but i want to make sure that when i talk about my faith that it's a positive experience for that individual and that i'm not Mm. negatively impacting and ty i don't know if you've had a similar experience yeah, I mean, I I 
I get that. I think for a lot of people, especially ones I've talked to, I think for it's really easy for me to talk to a stranger about religion or hell or any of that. But when you actually have something to lose, possibly, you know, family or friends or whatever, I think it, it, it can kind of be a, a deterrent to, to talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, with my, my friends who are Catholic, um, we, we talk a lot about religion. I mean, every time I go over there, every time we get together, whatever religion is a, is a huge topic that we talk about, but we talk about all the things that are similar. We, we talk about, you know, the, the things that we hold, um, that we agree upon really. And we don't really venture into the, the differences in the doctrine and different theologies and, and the stuff that could draw a line in the sand. Right. I think personally, a lot of a lot of the deterrent is there's a lot of there's a lot of misrepresentation, especially on the uh, the Facebook interwebs. Right. Um, especially yeah. people being locked in with covid. Now, it seems like argument has it, it's increased a, a lot, actually, even even in the secular world. Right. But but what's interesting is. I think we see like two narratives being played out. We've got the left narrative and the right narrative. But regardless of that, let me ask let me just ask you this Ty real quick. <clears throat> Do you think that Facebook and those who profess Christ negatively impact those those people kind of like us who actually want to have a conversation with people? Who actually want to talk about the differences because ladies and gentlemen there are differences if you did not know do you think that that's a bad bad influence and if so why or, or what do we do how do we kind of curb that do we do you what i mean is in, in conversation is it better for us to approach you know or just kind of wait for a conversation to happen naturally well, if you're if you've paid any attention to anything I post on Facebook, you'll see that um, I don't necessarily <laughs> post uh, neutral things. So conversations <laughs> get started quite a bit in the comment section line. But um, no, I, I think it can be uh, a huge uh, hindrance because you have keyboard warriors and you know, every now and then you could be having a good discussion. I try and send people messages. So if somebody looks like they're actually trying to have a, a, a good discussion and actually is interested in a dialogue, I'll, I'll usually try and send them a private message and go from there. Yeah. But, you know, cause usually you have that one guy who just has to comment something just completely out of left field that right. has absolutely nothing to do with what you're talking about. If you're talking about the um, sufficiency of scripture or something like that, and this, then this guy comes in and starts talking about how the Bible was made up by one guy. And, you know, it just kind of gets in the way when they're just commenting back and forth. So I think that's the negative, but I think Facebook or Twitter, whatever it could be, can be used for the open dialogue, but it's yeah. not usually. So I think stuff like this, especially with you guys opening the, the door to emails and call-ins eventually, I think stuff like this is the best way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And always in person, obviously. In person is, right. is is the best thing because the other thing on online, you can't tell tone of voice. You can't tell if somebody's being sarcastic or not unless you know right. personally. So, I mean, you can't see facial expressions. All that stuff is, is kind yeah. of critical to actually communicating. 
and having, yeah, it's key uh, in communication. I mean, you read people, you know, you you're using all of your senses whenever you're engaging with someone, you know, face to face versus text message. Right. I tell people mm-hmm, all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I get misread all the time, you know, as being sarcastic or, or whatever, you know, and it's it's because, I mean, you can't read emotions in a text message. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you put an emoji in then. <laughs> yeah, it's close, right? <laughs> but, you know, and the other downside is people, anybody can go in and take a screenshot of anything you, you write and edit it and crop it. Yeah. Make you say something you didn't say. That happened to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Made me out and kind of look like a racist when they completely missed the context of something that I said. So, yeah. Back then it was, it was horrible, but, but now I look back and I'm like, that was just so stupid stupid why did i worry about that so much i know right i know man and it's like you know not to not to get political or anything like that but it's we see it's becoming the new norm right what was you guys think back to like i know none of us were alive but back in the 1940s and 50s from what we've learned you know if if and, and compare that to you know women walking around in some of the clothes that they walk around in today, right? Those people back then would think that's just completely what? Like they, it would be completely unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. So you see the culture changing, but <laughs> if evolution is true, I think we should be getting better. We're getting a lot worse, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're getting a lot. I mean, sin is increasing, right? And I think that's why it's important to have these conversations because. Whether you're, you know, no matter your eschatological view, you have to admit one day tomorrow is another day closer to Jesus coming back, right? So, or or another day closer to us dying, whichever happens first. But so I think that's why it's important to have these conversations. So let's dig in um, if we can. Um, so first and foremost, right, I, I do think it's important to distinguish between keyboard warriors and and people such as yourself. I'm not trying to lift us up or brag or anything like that, but by God's grace alone has softened our hearts and, and given us, you know, (laughs) these desires to have these conversations. So please know if you're listening, if you're Catholic, I love you. Uh, I'll let the others speak for themselves, but I can guarantee it's the same. We love you. And it's important to have these conversations because we have to, we have to come to the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think it should be every Christian, every every child of God's goal-driven purpose, if you want to call it that, or, or something, to know truth. Because to know truth is to know Jesus, period, in the subject. And so with that, our source of truth our authority, so to say, is God. And I know some listening might chuckle at that. Oh, God talks to him. God has spoken in his word. Every word written in that Bible is God breathed. Does that mean that God wrote it and came down from tablets like the the Quran? No, no, of course not. What that means is God moved people. God worked in people, as we would say. To write scripture, God God works in, around, 
and through us, in us, above us, below it, what everywhere. He's omnipresent. So he's working in all of those ways, in ways we cannot even comprehend, to produce a message, right? So that right there, the Bible is our authority. No man, no, well, besides Jesus, the God-man, right? But no other man is our authority. So, and, and there are differences even right there, right? So, Ty, if you could give us a, just a summary. We talked about it, you know, five topics. That what are the key differences between us and Roman Catholicism? Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I, I think you made a good point there that, you know, these conversations need to happen, that, that um, we love people and this is why we have the conversation, but I think it's also um, uh, beneficial to note that, you know, from the other side, Catholics think we're wrong in areas too. So, you know, I I try and approach it from that, but go into it. I think the biggest difference, and I think the biggest thing that, that a Roman Catholic and a Protestant would differ on is the subject of sola scriptura. You know, that that everything goes back to Scripture, that it's the sole infallible source of authority for Christian faith and practice. And and really, when when you have the Catholic Church that they they look at Scripture and tradition, apostolic tradition, church tradition, whatever it might be, the the thing is, when if if the Catholic Church accepted sola scriptura, they got rid of tradition. They looked only to the Bible. Their whole system would fall apart um, because they would have no backup for any of the, the doctrines that we view biblically are, are errors. So I think, I think Sola Scriptura is the big number one thing that, that would separate us. Um, so that oh, – go ahead. Go ahead. So what – I. So let's not only give and, and 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 Ty is has studied and he is brilliant and if any so let me just say this at the primary primarily right if we say something that is incorrect in if we misrepresent Catholicism please please correct us please shoot me that email at completecenter at gmail dot com uh, correct us. Because we do not want to misrepresent. We, because we don't want to be misrepresented, right? So that's why we're both, as Protestants, as, as Christians, going to give both sides, right? And, and again, if we are incorrect, please feel free to email me there at uh, completecenter at, or, yeah, completecenter at gmail.com. Uh, but, so Ty, what do, why, do, how does Sola Scriptura, how is, how is that a difference between uh, us and Roman Catholics? Do, do Roman Catholics not hold to sola scriptura? They they do not hold the sola scriptura as the sole infallible source of authority for Christian faith and practice. They hold to um, they hold that the Bible is the inspired word of God, uh, absolutely. But there are caveats in that because you have uh, the papacy and and the Pope is the one who interprets scripture. He is the one who has that authority. So um, from, from the Catholic catechism itself, 
the task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely to the magisterium of the church, that is, to the pope and to the bishops in communion with him. So there's, there's right from the Catholic Catechism. So the, the Pope is the one who interprets Scripture. And for a Protestant, we would say, no, uh, Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture tells us what Scripture means because it is divinely inspired. So it's based on our interpretation, which, so let me, let me just say this. Let me, if I could, play devil's advocate for just a second. Mm-hmm. Protestants have so many denominations, right? And it's all based off their interpretation of Scripture. How do, how do you know you have the right interpretation? Well, most of those denominations would be um, excommunicated as, as actual Christian churches if you actually just sat down with them and found mm. out how and why they interpret it that way. Sure. I mean, you have... Um, you have the cherry pickers that just take scripture one verse at a time just to back up whatever they want it to back up with no exegesis, no um, context, no culture, no nothing. I mean, they they just take it for, for what it says because it says it when they have no, no knowledge of Greek. They have no knowledge of Hebrew, which that really sheds light on... Um, what pass what many passages yeah. are actually saying that you know does. for for example uh greek um is they have a word for everything they have so many words for the word love that that portray different types of love so when we say in english god uh loves everyone right that that portrays something to somebody else uh, however they want it to be you know but when but if we were to say that um god loves his elect in a different way than he loves the Mm -hmm. general population of the world then there needs to be explanation there so you have verses like um in romans where he says jacob i loved esau i hated okay what do you mean by that because you can take john 3 16 and say god so loved the world Right. So the language is huge. Language is huge. And so you can take these different so-called Protestant denominations. And when you actually, if, if you can even get a sit down and, and have uh, the scripture explained and why they interpret it that way, you'll see right away that, that they're not in any business to be called churches at all. Um, and so, and, and that goes for anything, but, but um, so yeah, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, I, I like it because here's the thing. I, I agree 100% as, you know, well, I, I let's put it like this. I've studied Bill Mounts' Greek, you know, base, uh, biblical Greek uh, basics. And, you know, I, I, but I know exactly what you're talking about, right? So, for example, I love my wife differently than I love my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And I love those two differently than I love you, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like we 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 kind of hear that as like what you know, like in our culture today, what you, eh, you know, whatever, whatever yeah, floats yeah. your boat, right? So, but no, they're different, different word, ladies and gentlemen. We must learn, and it's sad in our culture that we see today, just on the news, we don't understand the fact that words have meanings, and you cannot just change the definition of a word. 
to fit your culture or to fit your mm. circumstances. Truth is not subjective. It's objective, and it comes from God. Jesus already claimed that title. So we don't, get, we don't have the right to define what truth is. Jesus already did that, right? So if we can get that, and I, and I would hope that anyone who claims to follow God would agree with that. I don't care what you call yourself. I would hope that you would agree with that. So let's just, let me ask you this, Ty, real quick then. You mentioned the Pope. Why Why the Pope? How did the Pope become the Pope? I, I, granted, we're 2,000 years in, right? But there's there's a lot of church history. If you could, could you give us a summary on why the Pope is in the authoritative position that he is in today? Yeah, so it's it tradition, Catholic tradition would stem from uh, the book of Matthew, where you have Peter's uh, declaration of, of Jesus as the Christ. So it's in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through uh, 20. And it, you, you'll be from, if you know the Bible, you're familiar with this passage where uh, Jesus says, uh, who do people say the son of man is? And some of his disciples would say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or the other prophets. And Jesus turns to them and says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And so the the catholic tradition would say that is that is jesus instituting the the position of of the papacy to peter um because of that declaration when he says upon this rock i shall build my church he's he's saying that upon you as the pope i will build my church and i think this is where language can get um kind of mixed up if you're just taking it at face value and don't look at the context or mm -hmm. exegesis. And now I, I do have to say this too, when we were talking about language, that is not, it's not to say that there are, um, that Roman Catholics don't know the original language or anything. There are brilliant, brilliant Roman Catholic apologists out there that, um, that will have a sit down and discussion. Mitch, pa Mitch Pacwa is one that comes to mind, Robert Sengenis. Um, people like that, they are brilliant, much smarter than I will ever be, um, who, who know these passages backward and forward. They know the language, they know the context, but that, but that's where it gets, it gets dicey because when you have people that know mm -hmm. that the languages, the context, the, and they do the exegesis and they still come out to a different, um, position, that's where, I believe now this is just, this is Ty's opinion. This is not mm -hmm. me declaring something from Roman Catholic. That's where I think the tradition aspect comes in. Well, what sure. traditionally has the church said about this passage? And then they go with that because that's how it's been interpreted for them. Right, right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there even contradictions in that? Because not, which church fathers right who gets to define tradition at, mm -hmm. at that point does that make sense yeah 
No, absolutely. Like, are they reading Chrysostom? Are they reading Augustine? I know, I know I like Augustine. I'm sure you like Augustine, right? Catholics like Mm -hmm. Augustine, right? But they don't agree with everything that he said. Just like, so I guess (laughs) who, who is picking and choosing you, you read from the Catholic catechism a while ago, who's picking and choosing what goes in there? Yeah, so with with that, you have a number of different councils and, um, you know, much like the Protestant church, we've had councils sure. and different things like that. So it's the same same thing for them as well. You have um, Council of Trent, you have Vatican I, Vatican II, you know, stuff like that. So right. that's that's where all that comes out of. And But that's, that's kind of the age-old um, discussion. That's kind of the age-old debate is who who gets to decide because we would come back and come down and say scripture gets to decide scripture gets to interpret it through and then if if there's anything gray area in scripture then we we have we pray we seek counsel we look at history you know whatever it is but we we cannot um we cannot rest on human tradition because right. then when you do that, you have the danger of, um, of, of error. Right, right. And we see that, right? This is why councils even exist to begin with, because somebody taught something different, right? These interpretations. It, I think the biggest, or, or one of the biggest reasons there are, people disagree is because we do interpret the Bible differently, right? Those, I mean, it's just fundamental. So for example, Ty and I are both Calvinists, right? Or what people would, you know, call Calvinists, five point Calvinists. We see things differently than the Arminian does. And we can, <laughs> we can all be called Baptists in a, in a very real sense, right? So or Ty, are you Presbyterian? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you cannot be called a Baptist. Sorry, brother. You're, you're, you're kicked out of this one, man. No, I'm just that's you're yeah, welcome that's anytime. Where, that's the place me and the Catholics have uh, uh, similarity. Right. Right. It's interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So anyway, but let's okay. So let's dig in. Let we. It sounds like we have to go to the Bible, right? Any we we both agree that the Bibles are authoritative, authoritative, right? But let's understand, because I agree with, or I'm, I'm sure Ty and I both agree, that we interpret the Bible relatively the same. Maybe we're different mm-hmm. on a few, you know, few non-fundamental areas, right? But Ty and I, I think, also would both agree that there are fundamental differences and some very interesting ones between what we believe the Bible says and what... Roman Catholics believe the Bible says. Am I right, Ty? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And and whenever we say fundamental, let, let us be clear. We don't think that, well, yeah, we don't think that just because you call yourself a Catholic or just like I call myself a Christian, that doesn't mean you're not saved, right? I don't care. I don't care if you call yourself even a Mormon, you could be saved now, later. It, we don't know. Here's what. Here, here's the point I'm trying to make. We're not here to judge anybody's hearts. That's that's not our call, right? 
what we can do is explain to you what we believe the Bible says, give you a reason for why we believe the same Bible we all read says what it says, and challenge you as a Catholic, as a Mormon, if you're listening to this as a Mormon, we challenge you, look at what Scripture says, hear us out, and do the research and come to your own conclusions, right? I can't make you believe. I can I can preach and I can teach until I'm blue in the face, but I cannot change your heart and I cannot change your mind. That is God's job, right? That's this is what God does. So with that being said, let's dig into some of these fundamental differences. And again, what I mean by that is what we would say is a salvific difference. If you Am I right on that, Ty, uh, before I continue on that? It, it, would that be correct to say that these are salvific issues, or some of them anyway? I think some of them, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's focus on those for right now, because, again, this is important. If you would, Ty, what what's the first topic on our list? Um, what's a salvific issue, a salvific difference? between Christians and Catholics. Yeah, and um, this is huge. I think it's the mass. I think it's the the, um, the Catholic Church is, when you go to Catholic Church, you're going to mass. And so I think that's, that's a huge one. And um, I, I say that very carefully, just because yep. it, it, do, it doesn't mean that if you go to a Catholic mass, you're not saved. That's not, you know, I want to just echo what you just said. That doesn't yep. mean, but when you, because I, I, I think, I think there are a lot of people that don't truly understand it. And I, I have to admit, I don't truly fully understand it, but I, but right. I do know what the catechism says. I do know what, um, yeah. My friends have told me, I do know what, um, all that, that stuff says. And it's, it's, it's worrisome. It, it really is because what, um, what the mass is, the, the central part of the mass is the Eucharist and the right. Eucharist is, um, the, the Lord's supper is, is what it is, mm-hmm. but it's this, while, while Catholics will say, and I, I agree with them, it's not, Christ dying again and again and again. It's not a different sacrifice. It's Christ's same sacrifice, but it is being represented on the altar. And that's where things get dicey. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but effectually, right? Yes. Yeah. So let me see if I can... Yeah, so so Catholic Catechism again. Uh, the Eucharist is thus a sacrifice because it represents or makes present the sacrifice of the cross because it is its memorial and because it applies its fruit, is what the what the Catechism says. Because and, it applies um, its fruit, what 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 does that mean? The the sanctification the the um, basically what Christ accomplished on the cross atonement for sins so so yeah. sins are being atoned for daily and not one time 
Yeah. So I just want to read really? this. That's interesting. This this real this real fast. Um, it's by yeah. uh, John John O'Brien, and he has a popular work, "The Faith of Millions." And he wrote this, and it's it's kind of lengthy, so just bear with me. Sure. But when the priest announces the tremendous word of consecration, he reaches up into the heavens, brings Christ down from his throne, and places him upon our altar to be offered up again as the victim for the sins of man. It is a power greater than that of saints and angels, greater than that of seraphim and cherubim. Indeed, it is greater even than the power of the Virgin Mary. While the Blessed Virgin was the human agency by which Christ became incarnate a single time, the priest brings Christ down from heaven and renders him present on the altar as the eternal victim for the sins of man. Not once, but a thousand times. The priest speaks, and lo, Christ, the eternal and omnipotent God, bows his head in humble obedience to the priest's command. Of what sublime dignity is the office of the Christian priest who is thus privileged to act as the ambassador and the, um, uh, the lost my place there, uh, of Christ on earth. He continues the essential ministry of Christ. He teaches the faithful with the authority of Christ. He pardons uh, the penitent sinner with the power of Christ. He offers up again the same sacrifice of adoration and atonement which Christ offered on Calvary. Where, where do we begin? (laughs) Let's, that's interesting. That's, there's a lot. Yeah. Now, granted, I I have to confirm that is not uh, part of the catechism. That is not, um, you know, but it, it, it was accepted by, by many, many Catholics, millions. Can you summarize that? You, you, you gave a name a while ago. Well, who who wrote that? Uh, John O'Brien. Can you give a little summary on him, um, if you know, uh, off the top of your head? If not, it's fine. Um, but if you could, um, I don't know a whole lot about John O'Brien. I just know that um, he wrote the Faith of Millions as kind of um, his own explanation of Catherine doctrine, what makes Catholics unique um, as a religion in the world. So I, I really don't know about him per se, but right. I, I do know he did, he wrote it as kind of an explanation of some of the doctrines and, and theologies. What was he Catholic or? Yes. What, oh, okay. So this is a Roman Catholic writing this, not, not a Protestant writing this about Roman, Roman Catholicism. Correct. 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 Okay. Okay. That, so I guess, Ty, let me ask you this. Why do Christians, you, you, you said millions, millions of people. Now, granted, there are millions of Christians as well, but, but there are billions of Catholics, right? Or, well, billion, 1.8, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I'd, I'd have to double check. But fact check me, right? But anyway, <laughs> we're in the billion mark. I don't think there are a billion Christians. There might be. I don't, I don't know. But this is a big, big organization. Why are they wrong? Well, we're, the Bible, we, we have to go to the Bible. Does the Bible explicitly say, well, specifically about Christ dying many times? Uh, I'm, I can't remember the verse offhand, but I think it's in Hebrews 10. Yeah, I have it pulled up right here. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. We're, I, I cannot find it. Like, I know the verse. I just cannot. I don't know the number. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, so it's uh, um, 1010, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So, and in that context, you have... Yeah, let's read the context, uh, if you don't mind. For since the land, starting in verse 1 of chapter 10, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So hold on, time out. Yep. Time out. Let's, let's, um, Let's flesh this out a little bit. So Paul is saying, right? Oh, well, sorry. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Right, we yeah, there's yeah. not an author at the beginning of the book, so forgive me that that's tradition talking. That's what I was taught. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to break it. I'm really trying to break it. So anyway, the author, the Holy Spirit, is explaining that the Hebrews, right, the Israelites under the Old Testament, right, because we have a New Testament, a new covenant that was initiated, I believe, at the crucifixion, right. Um, whenever Christ, uh, I don't know, I'm not, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but that's, that's just kind of <laughs> well, where the, I stand the, now. The veil was torn. We'll the veil was torn. Way. The veil was e- torn. Exactly. The veil was torn. The two were brought together, right? So the two groups anyway. So we are under a new covenant, a new covenant that was promised in Jeremiah and the Old Testament all throughout from Genesis all the way to Malachi. We hear about this new covenant. So this has happened, right? And 2,008 years later, we're the product of it, right? We are still under this new covenant. And what the author of Hebrews is trying to teach the Hebrews is that, look, you guys offered sacrifices again and again and again. And the reason they did that was because once a year on, on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would offer the sacrifice, thousands of sacrifices that day. James White says Yom Kippurim, you know, that's the plural of, you know, whatever, because there's many, many sacrifices once a year to atone for sins for that year. And then again on the next year, the point of Hebrews and Christ as high priest is that his sacrifice was one and done, period, end of subject. He's not being sacrificed Again and again and again, like you sacrifice the animals. It's one and done for the sins of all time, past, present, and future. And that's the author of Hebrews. That's not me. That's his words, So, or her words, or whoever wrote Hebrews. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Uh, go ahead. If, or is there anything you want to add to that? Or Yeah, yeah, I think that, and we can come back to this in just a second, but I think it goes into the, to John chapter six with um, the, the body and blood, and we'll come back to that in a second. But I just wanted to, to make some more notes of this because that wasn't official Catholic uh, doctrine. I want to, I want to just bring something up as well. The Council of Trent, the 13th session, uh, there were multiple canons that they, they wrote, um, it, it would be in, in, in line with John chapter 6 of what we're about to talk about. But the one thing that I want to um, bring forth is the, the uh, 22nd session of uh, Council of Trent. It says yeah. this, Canon 1, if anyone says that in the Mass a true and real sacrifice is not offered to God or that to be offered is nothing else than that Christ is given to us to eat, 
let him be anathema. Mm. Uh, if anyone says that by those words, do this for remembrance of me, Christ did not institute the apostle priests or did not ordain that they and other priests should offer his own body and blood, let him be anathema. Mm. If anyone says that the sacrifice of the mass is one only of praise and thanksgiving or that it is a mere comm commemoration of the sacrifice consummated on the cross, but not a propitiatory one or that it profits him only who receives and ought not to be offered for the living and the dead for sins, punishments, uh, satisfactions, and other necess necessities, let him be anathema. If anyone says that by the sacrifice of the mass, a blasphemy is cast upon the most holy sacrifice of Christ, um, consummated on the cross, or that the former derogates um, from the latter, let him be anathema, and wow. it, it goes on. It yeah. goes on. So the the so the author of Hebrews is anathema the, according to the Council of Trent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I and mean, because me one, you are anathema. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And, and for those who don't know, anathema, I heard I heard it described the best from S. Lewis Johnson. I don't know if Ty, if you know him or not, um, but yeah. he said it, he said it like this. He said anathema anathema means to be condemned straight to hell. Mm -hmm. That's what an, that's and, what anathema means. And, yeah, and I will say this too: the on the Catholic Answers website, they do yeah. um, talk about anathema, and I don't know if this is true. I haven't actually researched it or not, mm -hmm. um, but they do talk about how anathema does not, at least in that context, mean <laughs> to be damned or accursed or anything like that yeah. to hell. So uh -huh. I, I don't, I, I haven't researched the word anathema back in the time of Council of Trent, so I don't want to say anything, but I will sure. say that they, the at least Catholic Answers doesn't think we're going to hell. <laughs> Interesting. I, does Catholic <laughs> Answers describe what anathema is then? Like, what does that mean exactly? They, they do, so... Oh, uh, they, they said this is widely misunderstood. Uh, one reason is that the term anathema is often glossed in Protestant circles to mean something like damned by God. And the canon is represented as condemning Protestants to hell. It isn't at that time in history. The term anathema refer, uh, referred to a form of excommunication that could be imposed by a church court for certain serious offenses. It was performed with a special ceremony and its purpose was to motivate people to repent. When they did repent, it was also lifted with a special ceremony. It was seldom imposed as, and was eventually abolished. So I don't know how true so, that is. I'm not going to claim that I do, but that's what Catholic Answer says. Interesting. I want to read what Strong says, because for those who don't know, Strong's is the go-to, I think, for any Greek definition of a word. All right. I, I think Strong's is the go-to. Um, it is it is an authority in the field and in the academic in the academic field, um, and I just want to read what Strong says. Anathema means it means that which is laid up, a votive offering, a cursed thing, a thing cursed. It, it, that's the definition, and that's its uses of usage. A votive offering, a thing devoted to God, a curse, or the thing cursed. And I don't think Paul or was talking about whenever he used the word anathema, right, in Galatians 1. He's not talking about people being devoted to God or a votive offering. He's saying that these people are cursed. And that's a problem because the curse of Christ, or the curse, our curse, 
supposedly fell on Christ on the cross. So, no, we are no longer anathema, accursed. We have been set free. Unless we speak heresy. Yeah, sure. Unless we speak heresy. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, that that is, oh, interesting. I I would like to see a debate uh, between strong and 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 catholic answers now that that would be interesting to see so let's uh so again like i said anyone can look both of these both of these definitions for anathema and i guess you choose your uh which one you're going to go with at that point but anyway so we so for anyone who is listening we are using the word anathema to mean Condemn straight to hell, okay? Because that's that, that's what the word means. Or Ty, do you have a better definition than that? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty on point. So okay. So let's we we kind of got off on that. Um, Hebrews ten, verse two. Um, go ahead, Ty. Yeah. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? So if the sacrifices of the Old Testament could have done what Christ did, which is take away sin, not just cover it, but take it away, they wouldn't have needed to offer again and again and again. And so really on the surface of this, if, if you are representing... Christ on the altar, his death was not enough to take away sins once and for all. It might be enough to take away sins, but only if it's offered again and again. But then, but that, but that also leads to the, another difference of, you know, the, the, the preservation of the saints, you know, the, that, that we are, in the hand of God, nothing can take us from the hand of God. And I, again, this is a Catholic doctrine I don't know about, but I do know Catholics sure. that do believe that you can lose your salvation or, right. you know, and then I, there are Catholics that say, no, you know, we, we do believe that once you're saved, you're, you're saved. Right. Um, as long as you show fruit of actually mm-hmm. being saved, you know, and that's the same for the Protestant, you know, as long if you're showing fruit. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. I, I want to go back real quick, Ty, not to interrupt, but to go back sure. to something. Oh, man, and I knew it. It's going to escape me. <laughs> anyway, um, dang, I hate whenever that happens, man. Like, I really, <laughs> I really, really do. Oh, man. Um, Hold on. Otherwise, they would have not, or sorry, otherwise would they not have stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed. Listen to the argument here. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? Like, that's, if they cleansed you from sin, I remember what I was going to say now, Um, but if they cleansed you from sins, then the argument, ladies and gentlemen, in plain Greek, in plain English, from what I'm reading, but go read it in Greek, that's the original language. He says, otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like to me, and Ty, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the reason the Mass is continuous thing, like every day and every day, 
are their sins just being covered? Have they been done away with if they're being held accountable for them? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I, if you're listening, you're Catholic, and let me, can I just tell you something? This isn't arrogancy. This is just me speaking from my heart. Christ has forgiven me. He's forgiven Ty. He's forgiven everyone who would put their faith in him. This is a done deal. He's risen from the grave. There is no more death for Jesus. How can you kill someone that has been risen from the grave? He's alive. I do want to do want to yes. speak to that just Please. a second. The, Please. the the Catholic doctrine does not say that he dies again. It, so correct me I if I'm wrong. Really, what is a sacrifice? Yeah. What's a sacrifice? Yeah. Is it a sacrifice or not? No, I, I hear you, and I, I hear you, and I agree. I just know that that will probably be one of the, if you get emails, that will probably be one of them. And uh, please. I, I just wanna, yeah, I just want to be presenting well. Yep. Sacrifice. They, they, they will say that he is not dying again. So Okay, he's not a sacrifice. An <laughs> act of slaughtering an animal or person or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine or supernatural figure. There's two mm-hmm. definitions, an act of yes. slaughtering. And if you want to tell me slaughtering isn't killing, <laughs> we're redefining words. argument for that will come in. And here's where the argument for that will come in. They Please. will say it's not a different sacrifice, that it's the same one. So he's not dying again. He's not being sacrificed again necessarily, but it's the same sacrifice that took place 2,000 years ago being represented upon the altar. What so that's is re- the argument. <laughs> I know, I'm, I know, I'm, brother. <laughs> is he dead? Is he alive? Wait. So, cry, wait a minute. And that's this me playing the, hold on. advocate. Just hold just on. So okay, you know. fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. No, fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Let me retort. Does it say that again? Say that. <laughs> say that one more, guys. I can't comprehend it. Say it one more time. Which one? The the last one. I don't even know. Like the last. So. One. What's the so, argument for slaughter and killing? He's not dead. The, it's, the, the it's the same is, sacrifice. Yeah. 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 That Christ died 2000 years ago on the cross and he rose from the dead. That was the sacrifice. That Wait, was the stop, the... stop, 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 stop. <laughs> you said dead. He's not dead. Yeah. It's the same sacrifice being represented over and over and over again. If it's the same sacrifice, he died. Yes. Yeah. So is he dead? So does he die at the sacrifice or not? I, I hear you, brother. <laughs> So this because because you have to, you have to ask a Catholic because it's I am because it's very important. If yeah, Christ no, isn't dead, if Christ didn't die, right? And, and Ty, I, you know, yes, absolutely. But he, li, please, people listening, hear me out. If Christ did not this, listen to the words. This is the same sacrifice two thousand years ago. Well, let me tell you something. Two thousand years ago, Christ died. How do I know that? Because he rose from the grave. That's where my hope, I tell, I challenge anyone. I, I did it last week. I'll challenge him again. Prove to me Christ did not rise. That's going to be a weekly challenge. Prove to me Christ did not rise from the grave, and I will not be a Christian anymore. I'll recant. <laughs> you won't do it. Because he died, and he, was risen, and he is risen from the grave. If, if Christ did not die, just like Christ did not rise from the grave, then, then he hasn't rose from the grave. 
if Christ hasn't rose from the grave, our sins are not forgiven. Period. And if he rose from the grave, he cannot be sacrificed again or even be represented as a sacrifice. No, because, again, sacrifice, the sacrifice that took, let let me just be clear on that, the sacrifice that took away sins happened past tense 2,000 years ago. The author of Hebrews will continue. The, th- this is why I'm so flabbergasted, because I, I honestly haven't heard this before, because I'm just sitting here saying, Hebrews, Hebrews, says, Hebrews says this. It answers the question. Hebrews chapter, or chapter 10, verse 3, But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats, listen to the words, to take away sins, plural, period. Why is it impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins? Because they're not God. Jesus, and they're not Jesus. They're not Jesus' sacrifice. Once for all, listen, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And what did Jesus say the will of the Father was? He said, Father, he prayed, guys and gals, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, your will. It was the Father's will for Jesus to be crucified and and die and rise from the dead. You don't have the gospel if you don't have death or crucifixion, death, and resurrection. You don't have the gospel if you don't have those three things. Yeah. Well, and if you go back even broader context into chapter 9 of Hebrews, Verse 28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. So if Christ is represented, if he is, if he, if his presence is on the altar, that goes against what Hebrews 9 is saying. He, he is not coming a second time to deal with sin. He is not coming a thousand times to deal with sin. He came one time to deal with sin and one time only. Right. So, to 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 read um, James White here, yeah. and um, for those of you who may be interested in this subject, uh, the the book The Roman Catholic Controversy by James White is a really good one to to pick up. But he says this: Christ entered into the true holy place, heaven itself, to appear in the presence of the Father for us. Because of the perfection of his work, he does not need to offer his sacrifice repeatedly, as did the old high priest who entered the Holy of Holies once each year with blood that is not his own. Christ did not need to suffer often. His one act of suffering is sufficient since he was able to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Mm. Let me, can I add to that? I just... Yeah, I, I'm reading Hebrews nine, and and not to not to take anything away from listen, guys, not to take anything away from Christian brothers and sisters. I, I I would never do that, but hear the Bible, hear the authority, James White, God love him. I I I respect <laughs> him. He is not my authority. 
right? Correct. And, and he would be the and, first to say that. No, absolutely. <laughs> I've met him. I've met him in Kentucky, and 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 yes, I I agree a hundred percent. He would be the first before me to say that, and said it probably many times. But again, you know, just just for anyone who might be confused on that, <laughs> God is my authority. Uh, because hear me out, bro, real quick, Ty. Somebody accused they they obviously didn't read my Facebook post ever. They just saw me post a couple things about Donald Trump, and now he's my idol, right? He is my <laughs> idol, Donald Trump, man. And let me tell you something. Wow. Okay. Anyway, but just hear hear the Bible, hear Hebrews, the same writer we've been, just been talking about, Hebrews nine twenty seven. He says, "Just or or she, just as people are destined to die once." Now, you're going to argue Christ wasn't a people? Like, is he not a person? We have a problem if he's not a person. Anyway, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ... Now, hear the words. These are the same words as the... Where, where was that? Where, what was that you quoted from a while ago, Ty, uh, that said sacrifice? The guy wrote it. Uh, um, the Roman Catholic controversy. No, 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 not James White. Oh, um, oh uh, the... Um, John, um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let me let me actually get this. So yeah, please. Can, uh, John O'Brien. John O'Brien. Okay, so here, so that was John O'Brien using the word sacrifice. Here, are the writer of Hebrews. So Christ was was sacrificed. That's a past heirs tense, I think, or I'm looking at the English. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's either heirs or imperfect. Anyway, it's past tense, right? Past aspect in Greek, mm -hmm. for my Greek nerds out there, aspect is not tense. We know. Anyway, so Christ was sacrificed. It happened in the past. Once to take away the sins of many, you just read it, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting him. You read that you know, a while ago, Ty, but again, I just wanted to reiterate it. That is the, the God-inspired words of scripture that is saying and contradicting i think if we're honest with ourselves if we would just take words for what they mean and please explain to me sacrifice not including death please uh but if we just take words at their basic meaning and not add all the baggage to it then you have a contradiction right yeah. Okay. So at that point, and I want to be so clear on this, at that point, you have a choice to make. Do you go with what the Bible says? Uh, and, and again, I challenge anyone to debate on that. On Hebrews nine twenty seven and 28, to what it means. Or to what the author intended it to mean derived by context, then you have to choose either the Bible or tradition. And if you go against what God says, I don't care what version of it you read, read the Greek. That's the original language. But if you don't choose that, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why am I not choosing that? Ty, do you, do you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think you. I think you said. I think um, just kind of going okay. back. Nobody has the authority to call down Christ from heaven. No. Christ comes back 
when it is time for him to come back at the authority and submission to the father. Um, Because again, Hebrews is just bomb. Uh, um, Hebrews 10, uh, 11 uh, through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And he's still there, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he is perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Okay, and and here's here's what I would say on top of that too. Yeah. You know, to I want to try and word this because I don't I don't want to come off as condescending or anything like that. Right. But what is the opposition? to accepting and believing that Christ's sacrifice was once for all for your sins. Why, why do you, why, what causes us to want to go back and, and have Christ's sacrifice represented upon the altar or, you know, but that's the whole message of Hebrews, I guess, you know, he's writing about, about Jews that might be tempted to go back to the old, the old ways of doing things, even though those things are gone. Right, and so I just I just wonder what, and it's it's our sin, it's our it's our it's our natural human ways of doing things to go back to go back. We constantly go back to different things that either make us comfortable or things that we understand, even if they're if they're not true, you know. But I it it just grieves me for people who are burdened and rely on a. Uh, a represented sacrifice again and again, week after week. And ultimately, if, if it has to be represented like that, if Christ has to be called back to the altar, then who's to say the sins are actually forgiven? Yeah. You know, you're, you're living with that dangling over you at all times. Right. Right. And just to add, you know, to that, first, first and foremost, I offer an apology to to any Catholic because I acted unprofessional. But but here's the thing: this what Ty read. It's shocking to me because, to be honest, I haven't heard it, and it's so. Forgive me for acting out. I pray genuinely, but here here just again, it, it it's hard to comprehend. But how do I say this? Like, like Ty just said, we we love you. We want it. And, and again, I want people to think for themselves it, because it is grievous. It does hurt me as well because I don't want to f- just follow the leader, right? I don't want to follow the next fad or not saying that Roman Catholicism is a fad or anything like that, but I want to think. So let me, yeah, let me word it like that. I want to think for myself, right? And whenever we have been blessed with the technology to actually have the whole council of God in our pocket, in our pocket, the entire council of God, scripture, the entire Bible in our pocket, we can read it. 
we can look at what it says. What is the point of having a Bible app on your phone if you don't read it? How can you profess to be a Christian or or a Catholic if you don't read it, right? And, and maybe there's an answer to that from the from the from the Catholic side to read it or interpret it. I don't. I I would hope they wouldn't pers- or dissuade their 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 people from reading what God has revealed to us. And I don't know that, so so please. But but if you're if you're listening, grab a Bible, read what it says. Because it's in black and white. Ty, I didn't mean to cut you off a while ago. I just, you know, a minute no, ago, I just, that, you know, that was on my heart to just, you know, uh, apologize. But look, this is serious. This is your soul. Why would you trust any man? The Bible says don't trust man. Don't, we have a wicked heart. And this all goes back to if you're just honest with yourself, you would know that. But, but hear me out. Every time you go to those sacrifices, let's call them what they call, you're reminded of your sins. Every time you say the Hail Marys, every time you say the Our Fathers, your sin is right in front of your face. And you say at the end of it, you're forgiven. Are you? Because if you do it again, then what do you have to do? Again, the same repeated process. That's called earning forgiveness. If I do Ty wrong, it's not my place to earn his forgiveness. It's his place to forgive me because he's been forgiven. Not to earn it, not to work for it. This is Romans 4, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to go to John 6. I know we, we've, we've been on this, Ty. We want to discuss five topics. I think this, I think this is important. I think that's a you know stretch. What I'm saying? Yeah, it's not <laughs> we'll happening. We'll do a part two. We'll do part two, three, four, and five if we have to, but but I think it's so important because we we did want to talk about a fundamental difference between between Catholics and Christians, between Catholics and us, right? And I think we see why it's a fundamental difference. There is this is what I would like every every Catholic and every Christian to ask herself. Are you forgiven? Are you? Are you forgiven? That's either yes or no. Guys, gals, God doesn't lie. And this is this apologetics aside, this is actually an argument for pers- perseverance of the saints, but God doesn't lie. And God declares who is righteous and who is not. Those are two true statements from the Bible. You don't have to interpret that. It says it word for word. God cannot lie. And God declares who is just and who is not. God is not going to declare you just... And then say later, nope, you're not. That means God lied. Ladies and gentlemen, that means God lied. Because he said one thing and then contradicted himself the next time. Did God not know you would fall away? Was God hasty in his decision 
to declare you righteous? If God declares you righteous, you're declared righteous. There's no other option. You're either in Christ or not. If God puts you in Christ, you're there. And I speak passionately, not angrily. Please, please don't misinterpret me. I speak from a passionate heart that wants you to know the truth. And you just have to ask this. Am I forgiven? Yes or no? Let me tell you how you can know that. If your faith is in Christ, and Ty, please back me up on this. But if your faith is in Christ, and we'll go to Scripture, you are forgiven. Period. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. The, where off the top of your head, because I'm not there right now. Where is where where is that? Let's go to it. That if um, I mean what we were just reading, Hebrews, once yeah. for all, sacrifice for sins. Right. Well, hold on. Or go ahead, real quick. I'm looking up something just uh, just to read it, man, because it's so. <laughs> It's the ver it's I mean, the most popular verse in the world. John three oh, John three sixteen. For yes. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Is that a lie or not? You know what I'm saying? God declared that at that time, and it stands true. That's what is so great, so great. The Word of God cannot be amended, <laughs> like the Constitution or like the the Roman Catechism. It can't be added to, and it can't be taken. It even says that in its word. God is so smart, man. I, I'm not even kidding. He says, don't add to, don't take away. That means it can't be amended, guys. Not like the other ones. But hear me out. And it says it. So that means it stands true the day it was written. It stands true today. If you, and that word believe, is pistis, it means to trust, not to acknowledge God exists, even Satan knows God exists. Whenever you say, I believe in God, that's not the same as saying, I believe in Santa Claus. Two totally different things. You're acknowledging the existence of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, as we do. We acknowledge the existence of St. Nicholas. And there's a and, and to say, I trust St. Nicholas. It doesn't work like that. I don't acknowledge God's existence. I trust God. That's what Jesus meant by that word. Trust me. John 6, 29. We're going to John 6 right now. John 6, 29 says, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, Pistis. Or I don't know the exact inclination of that word at that time, but it's Pistis. To trust, to believe in. If Ty was addicted to drugs and I said, Ty, I believe in you. You can get off drugs. I'm not saying I acknowledge your existence that you got off drugs. I'm saying I trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And if God's flipping the decision like the 2020 election, we can't trust him just like we can't trust them. Ty, you want to add anything? Yeah, so the. the I'm sorry, moment, man. I didn't mean to kind of take control there. No, no, just, no. <laughs> You're on sorry. a roll. Well, <laughs> it's true, man. And it's just like, uh, please, please hear me out. Go, go ahead, Ty. Yeah. So to to jump over to John six as we kind of yeah. 
get to the end here yeah of this episode i don't you know <laughs> ty um, you just became the host of the complete third guy not your guest <laughs> yes <laughs> we just flipped well, the script man <laughs> there you go you can send That's me my project later <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay. um, I'll, I'll let me i'll tell you what i'll send it to you the minute i get it i promise yeah there so, you go there yeah you go. anyway <laughs> But all right, yeah, so, John six twenty. Yeah, John six is I think the the um, the uh, the money passage for yeah. uh, the defense of transubstantiation and the 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 literal body and blood of Christ, and I think it's also the money passage of refuting that and debunking that. Um, okay. But again, it, it comes down to what is the context? What is what is the full? passage say and i know i mentioned earlier that i'm really bad at my own podcast and youtube videos but i do have a video on this particular section of john so i did do something right there um but when we look at it we have to so jesus just fed the five thousand so we have that that picture of food there and we also have a miracle so we have food and a miracle and so the the starting in uh, verse 22 of chapter 6 on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone and we moved down um when they found him on the other side of the sea they said to him rabbi when did you come here jesus answered them truly truly i say to you you are seeking me not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves now i think that's key do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to inter- to eternal life which the son of man will give to you for on him god the father has set his seal so already we see there jesus is calling them out he knows something that we might not pick up on right away but he says you are seeking me not because you saw signs so they're not seeking him because they have faith they they're not seeking him because they believe that he is the messiah they're not seeking him for who he is they're seeking him because they got their fill right and then they said to him what must we do to be doing the works of god and jesus answered them this is the work of god that you believe in him who he has sent that is key. That is key to this passage, that you believe in him. You know, we, we like to say the five solas, you know, uh, sola fide, by faith alone. Okay? Notice the people said, what are the what should we doing? The works, plural, of God. And Jesus answered them, this is the work, singular, that you mm. believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Not like, you know feeding 5,000 people was enough that they just saw what work do you perform? Mm-hmm. And they bring up the manna in the wilderness. And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to her, to him, sir, give us this bread always. And he continues to, to go in um, on them. And, but, Verse 36 is the big one. But I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. Again, we have that word, believe, Mm. this idea of faith in Christ. And so we jump down to the ones that, you know, kind of get kind of weird because I think Jesus did a very pretty good job of making it clear. (laughs) 
here, what they were missing. They're missing faith. They're missing on seeing him for who he is, the savior. Okay. Mm. And we get to a, a little part there in the middle of all this, where he's talking who no one can come to me. That's a debate on, uh, election that we can do another time but we get down to verse 53 so jesus said to them truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day for my we'll flesh is true food yes. sorry 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 go ahead go ahead and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks in my blood abides in me and I in him. So if we're going to take this passage literally, if go. we eat mm-hmm. the, the bread and drink the blood, we're saved. That's all. Yep. No, that's what the Bible it's, says. It's yeah, right there, black and white. My flesh and drinks in my blood has eternal life. Well, there you and go. And we know that you don't just have eternal life by doing things. You don't have eternal life just because you take communion. Um, Communion communion is something that a good, sound church will reserve for the saints. Now, the Catholic Church does that. They they don't let just anybody go to the table. They don't let anybody take that. Mm. Um, And my church doesn't either. We make a very stern warning that if you are not a believer in Christ, this table is not for you. Okay, so it's interesting that Paul in First Corinthians makes those those statements that if you take of the 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 body and blood, the bread and the wine in an unworthy manner, you are uh, taking them against um, uh, against your own body. Right, and you are also eating and drinking the wrath of God at that Mm -hmm. point. I mean, is that those are his words? I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, is if you, if we're taking this literally, if you feed on the, the bread and the, the wine, the body and the blood, and that grants you eternal life, why can't in the Catholic Church you take of the, the body and blood unless you're a member of the Catholic Church? That's interesting because you said that the Catholic Church only permits the those who are saved to partake of the blood and uh bread or the blood and the uh the flesh right Mm -hmm. okay so is someone who is not forgiven of sins are they saved i don't understand how the catholic would say that you are god is holding sins over your head but you're still saved. You're still good. Like, how does that mm-hmm. work? Well, it goes into the the works, the sacraments, and and all that. But the going back, the point of the passage is not the physical eating and drinking of the body and blood. Mm. The point of the passage is having faith in Him who the bread and the wine represent. Oh. Because Christ, he he made it very clear on okay. at, at the Last Supper that you do this, you eat of this bread, you drink of this cup, as as long as you gather till my um, till I come again, do this in remembrance of me. It, it it has nothing to do with our own salvation. It has. Well, I think Christians are commanded to take of the the 
of communion, right. the Lord's Supper. And I think it is a sin not to if you're just doing it because you don't want to. Mm-hmm. If you're under church discipline or something like that, I think it's good for you not to. But if you are right with God and you right. examine yourself, I think you are commanded to take of the supper. And it's a joyous thing to take right. of the supper. That's what out of everything I've read about this COVID time that people have yeah. missed is taking of the Lord's table. Yeah. But the whole point of this passage, when you actually sit down and you look at it word for word and what Jesus is saying, because notice Jesus does not start to get into the eat my flesh and drink my blood until after he's already explained it a couple times mm-hmm. to the people. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he says, but I said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. Right. Okay? It's that word that he keeps going back to the belief in him who is the Christ that faith by faith right. alone right and, and it that's seems huge. like yeah absolutely and because you're right it's huge because that's what here here we go that's what Jesus said black and white right but then oh well he also said if you drink my flesh and eat my blood you'll have you he said that too right mm-hmm. listen you've got you can't separate them you've got to take them both Right, and, and allow me to piggyback on what you just said for a second, Ty. Let, you have to take both. Jesus is not going to contradict himself. And that's how we know we have the right interpretation on this one. If you make Jesus contradict himself, and you... Perf- these are, here's your truth statements again. If you make Jesus contradict himself, and you say Jesus is God, you have a, con- you, you have a contradiction. Those two... Truth statements cannot be both true at the same time. It can't work. Either Christ is God and cannot sin, or he's not. And we can't trust him because he's just another sinner. Like me, and like Ty, and like you listening. Just another sinner. We cannot trust him. Go ahead, Ty. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's that's good. Um, but then he just he closes out as the living as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. That in itself, that little thing that Jesus said right there is enough to say this is not about a physical eating or drinking this is about the sacrifice that Christ made once for all for sins and And we are to remember him Mm -hmm. in the the symbolic uh, practice of the Lord's table while it's a very serious practice a very serious and important sacrament it is still just bread and wine that we remember Christ's death until he comes. Right. And and just to add to that, it's also not about us. Notice the words oh, Jesus said. Notice the words Jesus said, because of me you will live. Not because you ate the wine. He just says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have life. That's descriptive, ladies and gentlemen. He gives, you want to see cause and effect, it's right here. Because of me, cause, you will live. Effect. It's not because we ate and drink. It's because of Jesus. 
what do I mean by that? Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus had our sins imputed or accredited to him. This is Romans. This isn't this isn't my theology. This isn't Tithe's theology. This isn't Calvinism. This is Paul. Or, or I'm sorry, Calvin. This is Paul. And Calvin agreed. <laughs> Our sins are imputed to Christ on the cross. Right? And again, it goes back to this question. And, and it's it's the same question, just worded a little bit different. Are you forgiven? And... Were your sins dealt with on the cross? All of them. Past, present, future. Well, Christ can't die for future sins. Really? 2,000 years ago he died. If he can't die for future sins, ain't nobody in this age forgiven. Because we all sinned after the fact. So, throw that out the door. He's not our sacrifice. If he can't die for future sins, but guess what? Me not even being born yet. God being God and omni-everything placed my sin upon Christ. And he did it. Listen. He did it for every single person who would trust him. Mm-hmm. And I think we all can agree with that. Yeah. And and also, you know, I, I skipped over the the part about draw the father drawing people, but I, I right. now I'm thinking about it. I think I, I need to say something about that. Please when you look at verse forty, for this is the will of the Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him, there's that word again, should have eternal life. So you link that down to whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. So yeah. We have one condition here of just believe in him, have eternal life, and then you have another one down here of eating my flesh and drinking my blood. You put those together and you you find the true meaning of it, and that is the yeah. faith, having faith in Christ. But I do want to put point something out with the with the um, middle part here. Because when we get into verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense to this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh uh, is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe Jesus, um, uh, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So you have people um, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's verse 66. Okay. Why did they turn away? It wasn't because he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Okay. This is why this middle mm-hmm. section I thought is, is important because we have an understanding of who Christ is because the father gives us that understanding. The Father regenerates people. The Father is the one who pulls back the veil from our eyes. The Father is the one who leads us to Christ. And and Christ was clear before he started talking about um, the Father drawing people to him. 
Okay. And then he started talking about the eat my flesh and drink my blood. The people who wandered away, the people who turned and left and did not walk with him anymore, it wasn't because of the eat my flesh and drink my blood. They were grumbling long before that. It's because they didn't accept who Christ was. They didn't believe in him who the Father had sent. After Christ had just talked about, only those can come to me who the Father draws. And so that's, it's a huge, huge thing to to get that in there and i i apologize for skipping over it i i wanted to get to the other parts right no and excuse me and you make a and and you make an excellent point ty an an excellent point um we've got about 10 minutes uh left in this episode and it's man it's went by so quick like i cannot (laughs) i thank you man thank you for coming on uh with us i Go back, and we are going to do a part two. Ty, if you're up for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. We will do a part two, um, but and and we're going to pick up right where we left off, right? So so again, make sure <clears throat> bookmark the page. Let me say it again: www.completecenters.com. And if anyone has been on Facebook these last few days. <laughs> My personally, I I posted a picture of this. My ads and, and and my reach is being throttled, and that's confirmed now. I tried to place an ad, a paid ad. This is my own money. I don't those who those who know me, those who've listened to the show for any length of time know two things about the show. One, we are gospel centered, and we try, and I think we accomplished it to center every single episode on Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul, that, that's kind of like our little anthem, our little motto, Jesus Christ and him crucified, as it should be to anyone. The second thing is, anyone who's listening to the show knows I have never asked for money. I've never asked for that. Nor am I starting now. But hear me out. I paid or attempted to pay for an advertisement on Facebook and it was rejected because because I said something apparently that I wasn't supposed to okay so we are being throttled we're being you know it's interesting because this has never happened before right this is the first time I've had a Facebook post a Christian podcast I was I was I wasn't advertising anything other than Christianity and explaining truth <laughs> and it was rejected so what I'm trying to say is share go to www.completecenters.com because we're not going to be shut down there why I own it <laughs> Noah and I both own it so unless we shut it down or unless the internet dies and crashes we're not going anywhere okay, until we die. <laughs> so share it. Share it with people because, again, we're trying to have these conversations. We're trying to get, we're trying to come to the bottom of the truth. And here's the thing, and I think Ty would agree with me on this. If we are shown in the Bible where we are wrong, I'll be the first to repent and publicly and say that. Yeah. And and change my mind and, and convert. That's what repent means to change your mind. But to and, and convert to that belief, right? 
but you got to show me like we've done. And and if you're Catholic, please go back and listen. Slow it down. Write down the verses that we've referenced. We've referenced many. Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, not verses, chapters. We don't want to take verse out of context. And, Ty, that's what it sounds like people are doing with John chapter 6. There's a context and you've got to go from start to finish. You can't stop in the middle, cut it, remove it, and say and, and build your doctrine on it. That's called eisegesis. It's it's not fair. It, you're 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 being intellectually dishonest at that point. And 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 we're asking those who do that repent. Read the context. If you still come to a different conclusion after going there, let's talk. Email me, completecenter at gmail.com. Noah gave a email that I don't remember what it was because it's brand new. I think it's hello. Hello, yeah. Hello.completecenters.com, yeah, yeah. right? I think, or, or something like that. Hello.completecenter. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but it's on here, and we'll figure it out. Ty, do you know it? What what what's the whole thing? Do you remember? Uh, hello at completecenter dot com. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be oh, yeah there's got to be an at in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in a dot com. So if you yeah, if we yeah. you get that, you're halfway there. But let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Eat. a lot of hellos are getting a lot of random emails <laughs> this week. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking for that guy on the radio. Like I got to talk to him about Jesus' blood and flesh. Like, man, <laughs> what? That would be an interesting email to get. That's unexpected. But, but seriously, let's talk. Let, it, it's great that we can laugh and joke, man. And and if you're not laughing and joking, like get get out. No, I'm just playing. Please come, <laughs> come and, and and set. You know and listen. And and here's the thing, here's the thing. I'm not going to do what Mark Zuckerberg does and censor people. You want to come on the show and talk? Let's do it right now. Well, and whenever you're hearing this, <laughs> right now for you maybe, but let's do it. Let's set up something. Come on the show. Talk to me. I'll bring Ty back on. Bring whoever you want, or we can one on one. It doesn't matter. All we are desiring is a two-sided conversation. That's it. You talk to us, we'll talk to you, or I'll talk to you, or Ty will talk to you, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Just reach out, because we are trying to reach as many people as we can, and the only way we can do that now, it seems, is if you, listening, share this with people. Because we're trying to come to the conclusions that we all so desperately seek. That's what we're trying to do on this show. And we're trying to be honest about it. All of us are biased about our beliefs. <laughs> Why? Because we believe them. But that doesn't... And it, here's the thing. We are willing to change our beliefs if the evidence... We've heard that word a lot this week. If the evidence points us there, we must be willing to change our views. I don't you can apply that to the election, you can apply that to the president, you can apply it to the Bible. If we are not willing to change our minds, we are not being meek like Jesus 
<laughs> like Jesus says, the fruit of the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit produces that fruit. Meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek means to be gentle, and it also means to be willing to learn. With that, I want to just, in the last couple minutes that we have, I want to transition into the gospel. I want, we've talked about forgiveness of sins a lot tonight. And I want each and every person listening, I've asked you a question, and I hope you've answered that honestly. Now, if you have answered that question honestly, hear me out. If you've said yes, this man, this sounds like I'm getting ready to call people down to the altar. I'm not. I'm not even kidding, Mike, <laughs> but I, I'm not. I'm not going there. <laughs> but if you said yes, I'm forgiven. That's the question I ask. Are you forgiven? If you said yes to that, thank God for it, because the reason you're forgiven is because Christ died on that cross 2,000 years ago. The reason you're forgiven is because he lived a perfect life. The reason you're forgiven is because he rose from the grave. The reason you're forgiven is because he intercedes for you. The reason you're forgiven is because of him. Period. We are not saved, and this will be a discussion in part two. But for right now, hear me out. And read Romans, because I'm not making this up. It's because of him. We can have eternal life. By his perfect life, his death, or his sacrifice, his death, his actual sacrifice, those 2,000 years ago, that where he, in, where he atoned, that's the, that, <clears throat> that was the picture that the prophets and Moses and the Old Testament, the entire 39 books of it, all those pictures, all those animal sacrifices, that every single one of them ended in death. That was a picture of the one sacrifice of the Son of God. Theologians call it types and shadows. If you want to get fancy with it, I call it a picture. Those animals and that word picture predicted and not only predicted showed us what the son of god would do the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world takes away are your sins taken away yes or no there is no, I say it all the time, there's a third option for a lot of things. This is not one of them. There's not a maybe. Yeah or no? And stop. If they are, thank God, like I said, and stop worrying. Your sins have been dealt with on the cross. If that answer is no, my sins are not forgiven. Why aren't they? What is stopping you? Those who have ears, hear me. 
hear me talking. Can you hear me? Is any of this making sense? If it is, that's a good chance God's already working in your life. Christ died for you. You beloved child of God and you don't even know it yet. But if you are actually convicted about what I'm saying, and I'm not getting into anywhere but the Bible, that's a good sign. I can't say for certain because I'm not God, but that is a darn good sign that you, that God is working in your life. How, why, when, where, I don't know when it all started. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's because of him and his mercy and compassion. Not because of what you do, not because of what I do, not because of what Ty does, but because he's God and he has mercy. This is Romans. Go read it. He has mercy on whom he shows mercy and he shows compassion on whom he shows compassion. I said the first one backwards. Forgive me. But the point is, God is sovereign over salvation too. And if he's forgiven you, dear child of God, Ty knows what it's like. I know what it's like. Stop waiting. Stop waiting to trust God with your life. Stop trying to do it yourself. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. You can't fix yourself. Stop trying. Stop listening to the people that says, you can do it. You can't. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the context of it was salvation. The disciples asked him, huh, who can be saved then, God? He said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things. And the topic and the subject was salvation. But all things are, are possible with God. But with man, it's impossible. So stop trying to save yourself. You can't. You need a savior, and thank God there's one who came and died for sinners, because guess what? You're a sinner. And if you know that, then cry out to God. Jesus said, if you who are evil know how to give what is good, <laughs> how much more so will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask him? Luke thirteen eleven. Or 11.13. I forget, but it's one of them. 13.11. But the point is, cry out to him. Trust him. Seek him out in prayer. Because Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened. He will. Why? Because he's God. He cannot lie. He died for sinners. He rose from the grave. He's interceding for people right now. All you have to do, you d believe the message, yes, but that's not what saves you. Trust him. Even Satan believes the message. He knows the gospel, but the thing he can't do is trust God. He won't, and he can't. Some people have been given over. Romans 1 says that. That's why I'm talking to you who can actually hear what I'm saying. 
that's how Jesus ended 90, if not 100% of his parables. They just weren't written down. Like Luke got tired. Uh, he said it a bunch. <laughs> he said, you who have ears. What does Revelation say? You have ears. Hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Right? The elect have ears. The elect can see what I'm talking about. We're elect before we're saved. So that's why I'm saying there's some out there who are not saved yet that will be. Because God works in time and space. And thank God for it. He's broken through. He's penetrated his own creation. And he saved it. And if you want to be a part of that, trust him. Trust God. And be forgiven. Ty, what do you got, man? Um, I just got uh, Romans <laughs> 8. Um, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew he also predestined and confirmed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified this is the hope of the gospel um I just when a lot of people ask me well what do i say what do i pray when i call out to god and i think you just you, you you pray what, what you what's on your heart. I mean, here it says the Spirit Himself intercedes with groaning too deep for words, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind in the mind of the Spirit. So God knows your intent. God knows what you're trying to say, even if you don't know what you're trying to say. And so call out to God, cry out to God. Your sins will be forgiven if you turn to Christ and believe in Him as the Messiah and put your trust in Him. Not as a, a, a sacrifice to be made again and again and again on the altar, but as a one-time sacrifice for all who calls you his, who calls you a child of God, who calls you a friend of God. That is what we look forward to. That is, that is what we are when we are in Christ. And it's burden being lifted off of you. It's no more being a slave to works. Mm. Um, yeah. we're, we're free from works. We're free from sin. We have victory in Christ. And this goes on to stuff that we'll talk about next time. But of, mm -hmm. of the other things, all, all of what we're talking about in these episodes are things that are unnecessary and burdensome to a person to have. And Christ frees us from those burdens. And that's the hope that I want for everybody else. Amen. Amen, man. You're right. You're right, bro. Christ Christ came to set us free. Christ came to set us free. Ty, remind remind people um where they can find you at 
on YouTube, Facebook, um, in case they want to ask you a question or in case they, they, they and please feel free to message me too. Um, you know, I've gave my, find me on Facebook. I'm also on parlor now, uh, the, at the complete center, right? So feel free to add us, um, Ty, where can people find you at? Yeah, five point ministries dot home dot blog is the my little makeshift website that I have and that has um, a media site to it where I have my podcast and YouTube videos and it also has a contact section so please feel free to reach out and and contact me I would love that because it would give me something to do <laughs> <laughs> right. Ty, guys, contact Ty because he's bored. Seriously. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. This is what I enjoy doing. This is what I like. Oh, man. Well, that does it for this episode of The Complete Sinners Guy. Ty, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really enjoyed this. We're going to do it again, bro. We will yes. see you guys next time. Thank you. God bless and good night. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs>